that will be where we start experimenting on how value moves uh, virtually when money becomes purely digital and and like all that data that is suddenly stuck to to for instance payments uh what can we do with that that will enable new business model new customer experiences that's gonna be so exciting special edition greetings from a very gray copenhagen um We've got a lot of very colorful content and we're going to have Thomas and Mads with us. Uh, Gaurav is obviously, as usual, zooming in from sunny Dubai. Um, yeah, you can send that weather back to us, uh, Ronit. We're supposed to be expecting winter, my friend. Winter meaning like 32 degrees centigrade or 28? Ish. Ish. Yeah, ish. I was going to walk <laughs> to the Little Mermaid this morning, but it's raining, so I'm back in the hotel, so... I'm jealous. I'm jealous, brother. I'm jealous. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about what we've learned in the last couple of days at Nordic FinTech Week. And first up, we've got uh, Thomas, the founder, CEO of Nordic uh, Copenhagen FinTech. Thomas, thank you so much for hosting us the last couple of days, and also hosting that great session this morning. What what were your main takeaways from Nordic FinTech Week, Thomas? And what do you think was different? What was like the different feel this this time around to say previous previous episodes you've done of this event? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. And um, if I look a little bit tired, it's because I <laughs> I actually am after uh, three days of uh, three days of conference here in Copenhagen and having like fifteen hundred people um, checking in every day. Um, so, um, but it's been very uplifting, and I think it's this is the this is the first in-person conference after um, after COVID, right? So, so it's been uh, it it's been it's been really great to gather the the primarily the Nordic fintech ecosystem, but we had people coming in from you know all the corners of the world. You know, of course, you flew in from from Dubai. We had delegations from as far as uh, as Japan. So it's been. It's been really, really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, we had 150, 160 speakers uh, on three different stages discussing everything fintech, right? So, so it's it's been good. The, I would say the 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 difference, of course, the obvious difference is that that this time it was in person, and you could really feel that people have been have been uh, building up a hunger for meeting in person you know we we've, we've done two years of virtual conferences and and the Copenhagen fintech week which now became the nordic fintech week um you know have been have been from from virtual to to physical and and with a lot more i, I think making it virtual meant that it was very much around knowledge sharing and and you know, pulling in um, trends from all over the world in this virtual environment and and making it in person meant that it it changed a little bit. That was my feeling at least at that it changed a little bit into like and and that's for for the good of it. Um, focusing on partnerships, concrete investments, and then of course the knowledge sharing and and all the great sessions where you also participated on it and and shared some of your insights, but. We could, you know, we've we've I've just talked to a couple of companies here in in the lab in in Copenhagen, and they all come came home with um, some really some really really concrete 
um, contacts and investment offers and potential partnerships that hope, hopefully will materialize in, in the coming weeks and months, right? So I think it's also fair to say that we've seen a more mature ecosystem. COVID has done some. The current the current macro environment is also maturing, maturing some of the startups quite fast. Um, we've been... Um, We've been looking, we, we ran a, a research symposium uh, with the Danish universities um, Monday. And, and I think what really, what really got me excited was having an, some insights into what's going on on the research side, on the research side, especially, especially in DLT and blockchain. Um, there's really a, um, an amazing amount of research and potential uh, startups coming up out on that side. So I would say that there's a, the Nordic fintech ecosystem is, is still going strong. Uh, all those, of course, there are challenges, uh, challenges ahead and we, we will talk about those later, but, um, that, I think that's my main takeaway here. And, and we're not even done, you know, we have a whole week. I'm going to one of the universities later today. We had a breakfast session, uh, this morning with you talking about the metaverse, right? So, um, we are not done yet. <laughs> so obviously it's back in person a lot more deal making or partnerships that you can do in person better than in zoom yeah there's a content you said that some really emerging sort of interesting emerging areas like dlt or blockchain particularly on the research side and one of those emerging areas that we talked about over breakfast today is obviously this 3d internet the so-called metaverse that we've talked to you know, with you and Mads, uh, so Mads was there yesterday at the event. We met up with him, and we did some demos of his um, his technology. And you, I think, I think we got connected via the Copenhagen fintech hub. So I want to bring Mads into the conversation and um, tell us a little bit about Synergy XR. Um, who are you? What are you? Why should All we right. care? Yeah, so so um, Synergy XR is uh, is both a company, but it's also a XR platform. Uh, it's a no-code platform for companies around the world to start building their own corporate side of the metaverse in closed, secure environments. Um, and uh, us uh, as a team behind building this, uh, that is, uh, we are the former team of Unity Studios. So we were initiated by the Unity founders back in, uh, in, in 2008, actually, um, back then and called Unity Studios. And that gives us, you know, over a decade of experience working uh, with large organizations. Uh, so we had developing virtual experiences and augmented virtual reality for Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Volkswagen in, in Germany, GlaxoSmithKline in London, uh, Snyder Electric, and stuff like that. Large organizations all over the world have been, you know, we have been building these experiences. Um, but in 2018, we, we started building this uh, Synergy XR platform, which was released uh, in 2020. Um, and it basically enables companies to start creating their own corporate metaverse in a closed, secure environment. And Mads, you're a, you said you're a corporate focused, you're a B2B business. What are companies doing in the metaverse um, today or 
around yep. now? What are they thinking about doing when they're talking to you? And looking ahead, where do you think you'll see the greatest adoption or interest amongst corporates? Because one of the questions that comes up often is, if this is just hype, you know, hype spread by technology companies or um, specialists like yourselves or kind of um, yeah. analysts and peddlers like me. I mean, is this just hype or do you actually have clients who are interested in this stuff? It's definitely not hype. Uh, like I said, we've been working within this area for over a decade. And we've, you know, there's been already from companies all over the world been invested millions and millions in this area. And the need is only growing. Uh, and it's not only the, the tech companies that is investing in this. So, so basically it's just an, just easily put, right? An extension of the internet as we know it today. And it, uh, it will just become a lot, lot bigger. <laughs> And uh, it will be a space that we, you know, dive into uh, as human beings. And I think many companies are starting to realize that and seeing a different, and we see a lot of different use cases, um, which we've done over the years. One of the, the, some of them that is really taking off now because it has taken, you know, it has shown some really good uh, outputs is within, you know, training, onboarding and educate new employees um we have been talking about you know the the whole future work for years but uh the whole pandemic really you know forced us to think differently and about this and also think about our resources the earth as well and the whole climate and it's also having a huge impact so how can we you know work smarter uh, in the world um and these technologies just opens up for, for new opportunities to, to both save a lot of money, save a lot of downtime on employees and make it possible to actually meet uh, like we are there and like having meetings in physical, physical meetings, but actually meet and collaborate in a virtual world where it really makes sense. So uh, that's also why we see these uh, educational um, uh, use cases is growing so big uh, right now because global companies hire globally all over the world and this new wave of working from anywhere uh, is actually you know that's something that we see a demand for both from from people um, but but also from for, for companies to actually operate in a more global environment so being able to, to, from your home or where you are, and step into the, your corporate metaverse and meet with your colleagues around the world and uh, basically travel to different, different locations uh, in a metaverse. And that just enables you know, a very, very fast onboarding and very fast knowledge sharing. So for example, we have as a case from, from Grundfos, the world's largest pump manufacturer. They do onboarding in, in our platform where it's possible so for them to send, they actually ship out headsets to new employees. And so from all over the world, and they step into to their corporate metaverse. And in here, they start in a theory room where they get to know the products of Gonfos and how, you know, water is being pumped up from the groundwater and the process of that water treatment before we get it clean water out in our taps. 
And that whole process is done in a virtual room, very, very visual virtual room where they introduce to all the products. And then they can dive deep into, you know, the different facilities, like a water station uh, facility, where they see exactly how it works. And the trainer, you know, he's based in, in, in Copenhagen, not far from, from where you guys are right now. And, you know, and then you can, through portals, jump into different places that, you know, they would, these Grundfos employees, they would probably never, you know, be able to see these uh, facilities in real life. Um, they used to fly them in all over and it could take up to half a year to a year to onboard a new guy, right, a new person. But now, you know, they can see all of it in, in just a couple of hours. They can travel to the factories in China or in Mexico. They can go out in the field of, uh, of uh, uh, in the UK and see, a, you know, a valve there installation uh, they can go to customer sites in dubai in Burj khalifa they have you know they have actually gonfos pumps in Burj khalifa they would be able to travel there just from their home in the vr headset and see the installation there and how you know it impacts the 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 citizens of, of dubai so it's interesting because oftentimes we think about the metaverse as maybe for um purely consumer companies or luxury goods companies as brand extension or brand engagement, and almost as a sort of subset of the marketing budget. And here you're talking about um, how companies internally work, onboarding, training, learning. And I'm sure there are loads of other use cases we can come back to, but before I hand over to Gaurav, let's flip the question around, Mads, and say, what do we need to happen in the next few years for this metaverse to grow, be it the corporate metaverse or just in general? Like, where are we in that journey? What needs to happen either in terms of better yeah. so you, devices or what, what needs to happen? But I actually think you're totally right because there is many use cases within sales and marketing as well. And there's a huge opportunity in the future of you know selling goods and, and products uh, in the metaverse because it will feel like you're actually there and getting to know them and stuff like that, right? And um, and that's also some of the use cases that is really, really growing now, like virtual showrooms and taking customers around. Um, but I think what will happen from now is that, and that's also why we have built this, because that is, you know, what we saw back in 2018, this need for companies to get started. They need to, you know, implement these new technologies inside their own companies before they actually go out and start selling to customers and stakeholders so they would need already to you know to onboard their whole organization into these techno technologies before they actually go out if they can't get you know uh, the internal uh, employees to use these technologies they will definitely have a hard time getting the customers to do it as well um, so start internally build up you know your own uh, your own corporate metabase run tests uh, run tests in sales rooms as well run tests on you know what what is the best impact on on your customers get customers in and you know experiment a lot of this because once the headset you know the one, maybe Apple's headset's gonna make this like really different. So these uh, technologies is not mainstream yet, right? So, but once it really takes off, then you are ready and you will have a grid of internal environments that you can open up and utilize from day one, instead of, wow, bang, now it's there. 
and then you have to start all over and get it into the budgets and you will probably fall behind. So my recommendations is definitely, and that's also what we're seeing right now from, from the amount of leads that we get in every day, that is the rise is, you know, it's really growing. And, uh, and I think this is the right approach. Start, you know, you shouldn't stop looking at the technology where it is today and say, all right, it's also a heavy headset or how can we get the people over like 50 into this and stuff like that. Really don't look at those as, as you know, hurdles to get uh, reasons for not entering this because the, it will change. The headsets will become smaller. AR and VR will become in one headset. All of this, you know, it and it goes faster than you expect because just implementing new technology in a large organization can take a year. It can take two years, basically. So, uh, so don't believe that once it's there, then you can just start. No, it's going to take time to implement this. So get started now. I'd love to hear more about your own company and the build process of the company, but let me get Gaurav into the conversation so you can ask those probing questions about the company. I'll get into that in just a second. Very interesting conversation, uh, Mads. You know, actually, you're talking about headsets. I'm actually uh, well entrenched to a company that's doing AR, VR on a contact lens. So forget the headset. Yeah, let's get. So, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, but, you know, in, in context of what we're talking about from the people we're engaging today on conversation, Thomas, I'd love to start with you, if you don't mind. I know, you know, you're not sponsored by Strepsils, so, you know, it's going to be a tough one for you here to keep talking. But I'm going to I'm going to leave on you for two seconds. You know, with the landscape as you see it right now, and, and I'm part of something called the MENA Fintech Association, which I sit on the board of, when you're trying to encourage conversations between regulators, investors, startups, creatives, and disruptors in the ecosystems, right? Yours is a very well-established region of setting the examples and tones for global successes. But in the time that you've been doing it, or from a trend-spotting kind of view, are you seeing that it's getting tougher for genuine disruption to come into the market given the current ecosystem by, by means of access to capital, infrastructure, talent, no code systems, you know? Is it getting tougher for genuine invention and disruption, which people can then hand on heart say, after seven to 10 years, this is you know, an investment which venture capital is worthy of, even though the base of venture capital is 90% is out. So are you seeing it narrowing or are you seeing it exploding? And why, if you can give us a, a review yeah. from your yeah. point of view. <laughs> That's a super good question. I And I think it's... Um... It's a little bit more mixed. Um, I think what we have witnessed in the past, it is actually an explosion. I think if we look at the Nordic ecosystem, just in the time that we have existed since 2016, we've seen uh, going for, and, and mind you, this, you know, Denmark and the Nordics is a Denmark small country, Nordics, a smaller region of, of 27, 28 million, million people, right? But if you actually zoom in, and and you look at the number of if if we take unicorns as some kind of measurement of success, right? And I'm not, you know, that we can discuss that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but <laughs> but as some kind of measurement of success, you know, take a look at 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 um, at Klarna and iSettle. Some of the some of the ones we've seen here, Trade Shift, Genalysis, one of the first ones to move in in our lab here in Copenhagen right now. 800, 900 people out of New York. Um, Adrian. Uh, Pleo, 
So if you look at the amount of unicorns coming out of the Nordics, it's actually punching well above our weight. Um, I think what some of them, what, 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 so, so that explosion of, of, of companies and innovation, I expect to continue. Um, I, and that's what we're seeing, you know, we have, of course we have companies uh, that are struggling, especially in the current climate, but we also, and I mentioned that as part of the research symposium, we see new, new research being commercialized and coming out and we, we still see, you know, we, as in Copenhagen FinTech, uh, just facilitated um, one of the first specialized FinTech VC funds in the Nordics, focusing on the Nordics and with a small allocation to the rest of Europe, right? And, and so we, so there's a, there's a lot of, lot of stuff still happening here and it's happening in an environment where it's some of the most digital countries in the world, some of the most innovative countries in the world. There's, if you look at the countries and, and, and what the Nordics are known for, especially in sustainability, we've seen that also in the conference, right? So, so there's a lot of companies that are now focusing and zeroing in on, on the green transformation, that, that sustainability, whether it's the ESG screening or the global development goals and, and some of that, and then combining that with financial technology and scaling that. So I think we we see, uh, and then there's a whole nother space, sorry, for uh, for also in the SMEs, because there's, you know, especially in the Nordics, again, the SME space, um, highly reliant on digitalization and the digital infrastructure that we can provide. Open banking, one of the most advanced regions when it comes to open banking, that also has spurred a lot of different solutions within that. So, so I would say it's looking pretty, um, future is looking pretty bright here also from the Nordic perspective. That's, that's super interesting to look at given the, the current manner in which companies can transport their technology and adoption curves have happened. I mean, I, I've been here long enough to understand that usually adoption curves for technology from a B to B to C point of view was five to seven years before you saw critical mass of adoption. Today, it's three years, yeah. two years in certain circumstances, right? So it's, it's super interesting to see where the competitive edge will come in because companies from Latin America could be doing the same thing as companies in the Nordics. It's just going to be an evolving space, right? Because I believe learnings from Latin America will produce slightly different products and services, different yeah. flavors. And then it's going to be a question of who eats who. <laughs> but but it, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that it's still very positive, that people are very strong, even in this current climate. So that's, that's very encouraging. And from a point of view of interaction, you know, we've been in, a, in, a, in Zoom land and we're talking about metaverse so long, but there's clearly an appetite for people to meet in person. Is it a, is it a space where you think that given the way that we react to today's pandemic situations, health crises, people are going to continue sort of maybe as very little interacting once in a while because it is pent up requirements for these interactions and they can do virtual or you think it's still core for people to interact without you know any avatars or avatars as we say in, in in hindi what do you think from that what is your feeling i i think again a, a bit more mixed right i think mass is a good example of you know mass has some excellent use cases when it comes to this right in 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 these uh like corporate training recruitment and some of this stuff right and and of course that makes a tons of sense and you know, just just coming home from spending a week in singapore and a week in japan 
for the first time since uh, since we uh, the world began to open up. And then I can just say it's again there's some just some some things and in some regions where it just makes so much more sense to be in person. <laughs> and 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 we have we've had such great conversations now where we can sit down and and speak around the table and talk about partnerships and how we can. You know, it, which is so crucial for us as a small country and a small region that we form these global connections and, and partnerships. And and we've been trying to do that on Zoom, right? And it, we can do that to some extent. But, you know, to really to really get down to uh, to finalizing that, we also need to meet in person, right? So so I think a lot can be done in the metaverse and helped by mass. Uh, and there's a lot of use cases there. At the end of the day, it's also just really nice to do something in person, right? Thanks for that, Thomas. I, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, to be very honest with you. And uh, on on behalf of my co-host, who I know will not object uh, if you look at his handle on Twitter, it does say, exactly. uh, you know, on an A380. So I think on his behalf, I can say that both of us couldn't agree more. We're very happy to travel and meet people. Um, and and Mads, coming to you, you know, um, uh, you know, and it's very been a very interesting conversation. And metaverse and web3 has been such a hot topic right now but quite literally there's still so much that people don't understand about it um because there is so much to absorb in what is again the use cases so right now i think you know the listeners who will be watching this podcast you know this 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 replay or listening to this podcast i'd love to try and remove some of that invisibility around some of the conversation and try and try and really put some some color and context on things in, in, in some use cases for consumer and some of the clients that you're dealing with without naming names, right? So, you know, obvious use cases are breaking monopolies. As we saw, the internet broke monopolies when it came to retail. It broke monopolies when it came to advertising, right? And even in the beginning, um, the technology that Metaverse is based on and the technology that the internet was based for was first used by the, all the illicit industries in the world. <laughs> as is with any of the new technologies. We all know this. This is, this is something that is a standard conversation. But moving away from those conversations to where we are today, tell me more about what we can see as a non-obvious use case, apart from advertising or, say, breaking a monopoly in retail or branding, that you can tell us about that somebody you're providing infrastructure today is using and saving money uh, on the rails that you guys are doing as an, a no-code platform. Just from a from a one or two corporate examples and maybe some consumer examples if you could that'd be great yeah because uh, i think but there's there's really some amazing places that that is already having a, a huge impact another thing that you know is quite interesting is within the the healthcare system as well um that also will impact consumers in 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 the latest stage. But right now we're talking about hospitals uh, because uh, before, you, if you go to a hospital and get an a, like MR scan or a CT scan, then the 3D scan that you get out of that um, is today 3D printed. At least at some of the newer hospitals, they 3D print uh, like a hip. And that hip you get out and before they actually go into the surgery, they, they actually, uh, you know, speak with other doctors about what they're going to do and how they plan to operate on this uh, person. Um, and, but it takes around 50 hours to do a 3D print of a hip. 
and in that time, you know, the patient is uh, in the hospital and uh, it's uh, costing a lot of uh, money to have uh, patients in the hospitals. We <laughs> need to get them out there. And also it, uh, there is uh, some, uh, there's a lot larger um, re-operations they have to do uh, over and over because of failures in the, in the, in the first of, uh, in, in the surgeries. So um, without like technology like uh, AR and VR, they actually can do uh, take these scans and within minutes get them into a platform and meet with surgeons around, not only in, you know, in the hospital as they do today in a physical meeting, but they would actually be able to meet with uh, like experts, maybe from New York or uh, Dubai and, and meet with these doctors and, and discuss uh, how, you know, how they can operate and stuff like that. And they could do it all within minutes after, uh, you know, the, the scan is over. And, you know, that opens up for lots of opportunities as well. Um, and for concerning the consumer, we can see in the, in the future that you would be able to actually also have a, your own like healthcare room uh, maybe from scans and stuff like that as you're getting older of what happens you know and and, and x-ray photos and everything you can basically gather that in your own um in your own personal environment over time as well and another use case concerning consumers uh, that's our platform is being built we have like this creators club as well um cool. yeah for for people that is passionate about uh, the metaverse so uh, that is more consumer open where they actually can sign up to the creators club and do, you know, play around with really what's possible and stuff like that. And in here, we actually are seeing a lot of like, um, so, you know, a, a classic photo album book uh, for your family and stuff like that. So in here, you can actually start dragging images and pictures and videos and create your own personal rooms from a, uh, from a, a, a vacation with your, with your, with your family. And now with the new iPhones and stuff like that, it's also possible to do scans, right? Uh, scans yeah. of uh, envir uh, environments or objects or sculptures and stuff like that. And then you can bring Have that you, in. Have uh, you integrated yeah, you with HoloLens uh, with a paint uh, device? With, from you can act, Yeah, and you can drag it in there and create your own personal rooms. And then you can actually relive them again uh, and, you know, go in and, and remember and, collect, you know, if you're, in maybe 20 years and you, you have, so you could see your small children and, and they grew up, but you can actually meet in those personal rooms and, you know, walk around in there, show them, you know, go back in time and, and, and see all of this. kind uh, of. You can't put a price tag on nostalgia. That's a good one, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And what about the, the B2B side of things? Because, mm. you know, again, the listeners on our, on, on our, who, who tap into this information on, uh, might be consuming it from a business point of view or might mm. not be, but, but from a B2B case, I know the cloud exists, but I don't interact with it personally. I have a laptop, I have a phone. I'm interacting with these units personally, but I'm seeing the benefits, of course, with storage and everything else. What invisible parts of what you do are benefiting businesses or you know, larger infrastructure projects? Can you talk about the B2B elements that you're doing that are the cost saving that we don't see as a day-to-day -day thing, but saving corporations millions or giving them opportunities to make millions? Yeah, so basically it's minimizing our technology is basically the, the biggest earnings that they do is minimizing downtime on employees and machinery right now. Uh, that is Can you explain creating... that a little bit more if you don't yes. mind, please? So, for example, if you have a product line or a wind turbine, offshore wind turbine or a product line in, in Mexico, and this 
may have some kind of failure, so it's it's not running. Uh, then you will, with this technology, enable a local employee to fix the machine by going in there. So let him scan the machine with his mobile phone. Within minutes, add it into a metaverse. You can join uh, in that 3D model and help him out solving that problem. A product line, when they stand still, or if a wind turbine stands still, that usually costs a lot of money. The faster you can get that up and running, again, that's, you know, you will save millions already in this one case. And um, the other thing is that you have a set of experts inside of your company and you're limited to these experts that you actually today send out to maybe fix machinery. And that takes time for these experts to go out in the world. So again, if you have like this product line that is, uh, that is um, you know, standing still, then you have to send a technician there with spare parts and to go and fix it. And that can easily take like two to three days uh, before he's actually arrived and get that up and running again. And in that traveling time, he has a lot of downtime. You know, he, he's not able to work or help other clients uh, in, in, in that time period uh, because that is downtime on people. And like I said before, also with, with the whole meeting area and knowledge sharing, it's just a lot, you could just uh, do it a lot faster than you can today because you're, you're not, have, you don't have to worry about traveling time. Are these, are these ideas concepts right now or are these? Oh, no, no, it's, it is happening right now. It's happening. That's amazing. Right yes. Because, you know, because the, the difference between a lot of conversations that are being had right now is still very conceptual, whether it's B2B or B2C. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, because it certainly is. When you're talking extremely about conceptual, right? So it's refreshing to hear uh, implementations are already taking place. And that just goes back to what I was talking about with you, Thomas, earlier on about the implementation times of technology, which usually used to be five to seven years before they hit any value, uh, it's now happening so much quicker. I mean, metaverse as a conversation is so young already, um, but perhaps, you know, with AI cloud computing and, and blockchain actually becoming a lot better in terms of how it's growing, it's just going to be interesting now to see, uh, Mads, how much talent you can keep recruiting and training to keep building out these things for your corporate clients. But uh, but on that note, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. And Ronit, uh, I'll hand back to you, sir. Thanks, Gaurav. Maybe one last question before we sign off to Mads first and then Thomas. It's 2025 and we're having this conversation in 2025. Maybe we're doing it in the metaverse, Mads. I don't know. Uh, what's um what surprised us what was you know what's something that's happened either for you mads in the metaverse environment or thomas just in general in fintech or emerging technology what's something that happened that you were like huh didn't think that was going to happen in 2022 the average person listening to this podcast so obviously well, now they'll be informed so in 2025 they won't go huh didn't expect that so they're going to be ready <laughs> They will definitely, you know, in five years time, uh, the metaverse will uh, be more or less mainstream. Uh, every, you know, um, it will not be a thing that we discuss as we do today. It's just a mm -hmm. thing that is there and a thing that you enter. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, so the whole, the whole way it will be also changed is that uh, the whole as avatar systems as we see today it will be more like appearance of our actually digital selves as we are as humans today 
Uh, I think you know that's some of the changes that that will really be there. So eliminating those gaps, as uh, as Thomas uh, also highlighted before, you know, being at the uh, you know physical meetings is important, and I, I it certainly is. But you know we will you know making that bridge even smaller in just five years time because our avatars will you know be our human beings as, as, as they are today. We are building it, you know, there's been building cameras, settings. I've seen some very impressive movie, uh, movie clips from uh, the Meta Research Labs that comes out once in a while. And, you know, it's impressive what you can do, eye tracking, everything you can. And that's what we need to, to really minimize those reasons for meeting physically. Um, so, so that I think that gap will be smaller and smaller, and the reasons for for traveling will become mm. smaller and smaller. Even though it's nice to go to traveling and stuff like that, but all of us knows that it's also a pain to sit in an airport. It's also a pain to sit in the flight seats and stuff like that. And once the technology is that good, then we will take those two up against each other and say, Do I really want to spend 15 hours? On, in an airplane to consider to going into a meeting and just meeting with you know this person so we're going to choose this ourselves it's not something that the tech company is coming then pushing all over us no we're going to come to a stage where you know it's a yeah why would i why would i spend you know 15 hours in, in a plane and an lads Congratulations, you've just single-handedly killed our sponsorship conversation with Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously talking about SAS, I don't know. <laughs> so, um... Thanks. I think... I think There's still some stuff, right, Thomas, that we got to do in person. Maybe the avatar of Gaurav and me, we misbehaving, but... We have to do those <laughs> partnership deals and we have to like look into people's eyes and shake hands and hug. We have to do that in person, right, Mads? Uh, sorry, Thomas? I, I think, yeah, I think, so looking looking back at the conference here and maybe tying that a little bit into what we're talking about here also, I think one of the closing remarks, and we've been saying that for quite some time, but I think this was put in a very clear way that, you know, every every company is eventually becoming a fintech company, or at least have a play in fintech, right? And and one of our speakers, Andrea Cates, put it in a way where she put it on a slide and said, like, you either die a consumer goods company, or ling or live long enough to see yourself enter financial services, right? <laughs> and I really, uh, I really like that one because it put it so much on the spot that you know eventually whether you're Starbucks and there was a had the classic example of Starbucks uh, mm. holding so much money and also having a the play wallet. in, in, mm. in fintech, right? But it's, I think that's one of the things we will see that you will see so many different industries, companies, all of the sudden starting to realize, hey, I can bring my scale, my business model, whatever, and refine that with, with, with some of these different fintech solutions, right? And and th therefore every company will have an interest in plugging into the fintech ecosystem. And I think that's what really excited me about those two days is that was very, very clear to everyone that came out that, okay, we we need to step up. 
we need and 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 we need to figure out and and that also ties into mass and the metaverse and when stuff get moved around not only physically but also virtually in the metaverse uh, and i think gaming is a fantastic use case for that you know when that that will where we start that will be where we start experimenting on how value moves uh, virtually when money becomes purely digital and and like all that data that is suddenly stuck to to for instance payments uh what can we do with that that would enable new business model new customer experiences that's gonna be so exciting run it i'm gonna i'm gonna make a prediction on this on this on this podcast with you if i can hazard and we won't get teleportation on the extreme side of you know what mads is talking about and on the other side you know we're gonna get everything that's happening in the space of interacting virtually i think the space that's actually going to try and get the closest to join the two in some sort of compromise is haptic technology. And I think really haptic suits and haptic technology in the next three to five years is going to be the biggest long, long-term bet, whether it comes in-house from Apple or it comes from someone else like Mitsubishi or anybody that's doing it. I think that's where it's going to be very interesting, whether it's gaming, whether it's meeting, you know, whether it's shaking hands or doing surgery or, you know, I think haptic hardware is going to be the next big conversation we're having on this podcast in the next two years. It's not going to be just metaverse. Going to be built in in our in our clothes and stuff like that, no doubt. We're already seeing seeing some of that is happening, so I totally agree. I think on on that note of future gazing from Gaurav, we're going to draw this to a close. Thank you, Thomas, for coming on and talking about how all companies are going to become fintech or they're going to die as consumer. Mads for talking about how the metaverse will be second nature and Gaurav obviously pushing some investment I don't know about. <laughs> Which he hasn't I shared like, with me, by the way, dear listener. Hey, so hey, I'm not part true. of that always, seat round. So whatever it is, I always, I always share with you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining. And-